The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. So I want to let you know, I saw a great movie a couple weeks ago. A great movie. Now, anybody like movies in here? A couple people do. Yeah, you guys are shy. Some of you do. Yeah, if you remember back a long time ago, it used to be like a sin to go to the movies, right? Uh, it's not always a sin to go to the movies. Um, I love movies, or at least I try to, because if I'm honest, you know, I got to tell you, there's probably about half the movies that are released in any given year that nobody should ever go see, right? Um, not worth seeing. And then out of the half that maybe are worth seeing, really only a small portion of those are good movies. And then out of that small portion, there's a couple great ones every once in a while. A couple ones that are like, those are amazing. Everyone needs to see those, right? I saw one of those a couple weeks ago. And, uh, well, what made it great, you might ask, well, it was, you know, sure it was well acted, well filmed, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but a lot of movies are, right? But this one was one of those movies that was, that was interesting, like all the way through from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And it was engaging. My mind was hooked. My emotions were caught up into this. I mean, I was actually there. Like, I was in that movie, like, caring about what was going to happen to the characters, actually, you know, wanting to know what's going to happen in the end. And this is going to matter how this ends. Because really, it's a movie, right? It's going to matter how this ends. It wasn't just some, you know, oh, figure out who the bad guy is kind of plot. This was, this was more engaging than that. And then, when the end of the movie came, it was a bit of a surprise. Like, whoa, hey, I wasn't ready for that to end yet. Not everything was resolved. Not everything was cleanly tied up. There wasn't like this nice bow at the end. Like, oh, phew, thank goodness. We got there. Everything was good. No, but that was exactly what the filmmakers intended. They wanted to leave you hanging there at the end going, this won't end. This will stay with you afterwards. And I was just impressed. I literally, I mean, I was watching it with Olivia. Afterwards, I just turned to her, and I went, Awesome. <laughs> That was just what I thought. I mean, it was, this was a fiction movie, right? But it was based on some of the impossible situations that are real, that are very real in people's real-world lives. And so it was a kind of story that really stuck with me afterwards. And I, that's a really rare combo, right? Like, you get this great movie that you enjoy watching, and it, like, changes how you see the world afterwards. And it was all that in one. Pretty great. So... I hope you'll indulge me, though, if I won't tell you what movie it is. <laughs> I know it might frustrate you a little bit, but, you know, I got some really good reasons for it. I do. I mean, we are here today to learn from the Word of God. So why are you all thinking about movies? Um, we're here to be challenged by the Holy Spirit. We are here to worship. We are here to receive instruction in God's Word. I honestly don't think that a petty little movie recommendation is that much more important, you know? Not more important than that. So let's, let's get to some teaching. For four weeks now, we've been in this teaching series, and he said to a bunch of people who weren't listening, you still want to know, don't you? <laughs> Apparently, my really good reason doesn't even matter to you. You still want to know. I, I just pulled out a, a godly reason for not telling you about what movie that was, but it doesn't matter to you because what kind of person 
would have something really great to share and just keep it to themselves. Who would do that? Who would deprive the rest of the world from simply hearing some valuable information that they had that could actually make something in this crazy world of ours a little bit better? Well, you're looking at him. <laughs> He's about 5'9", wears glasses. If you're on the podcast, sorry. Look at my picture on the website. I've done that. I have deprived the world from hearing, from finding, from knowing something that would make their lives better. Oh, and not just today, by the way. I've done that more often than I would like to admit. But I don't think I'm the only one here today that can say that. And I hope you don't think that I'm still just talking about a movie recommendation either. Because today, as many of you may have noticed, if you looked in your program, the title of the message is Uncommon Evangelism. Evangelism, that's a super churchy word if I ever heard one. But it simply means sharing Jesus Christ with people who don't know him yet. See, we are all of us who follow Jesus Christ. We are all of us called to evangelism, but it's got a really strange dynamic to it. And that is that if we don't do it, we'll feel just fine while the rest of the world around us suffers. Isn't that terrible? I mean, here we are. We've got something great going on in our lives. We've got the answer to everything that life could throw at us. Other people desperately need what we have found. And if we never tell them, if we never show them, we might feel just fine while they are drowning in a life without Jesus. I mean, what kind of unthinkable person would be standing in front of a hungry person holding food and not giving it to them? What kind of unthinkable person would be standing in someone dying of thirst holding on to water and not giving it to them? What kind of rotten, evil person would stand in front of a bunch of people, tell them about a great movie, and then not tell them what title it is? <laughs> None of us want to say that we would be that person, that we would be that cruel. But the question that we have to consider in front of us today has to deal with a far more valuable resource and a far more desperate need than any of those examples. Our question today is, will we, we who have found Jesus Christ, keep him to ourselves as the world around us is enslaved in sin and death? It's a pretty serious question. See, for four weeks now, we have been in this teaching series called Uncommon. We've been talking about these fundamental disciplines that are, that are supposed to be the basic requirements, the basic things that you would engage in for an effective relationship with God. For four weeks, we've been telling you that if you are a Christian, if you consider yourself to follow Christ, then what we're taking you through is something of a spiritual boot camp. That if you'll take this to heart, if you will respond to the spiritual authority of your pastors who are preaching the word of God to you, if you put these disciplines into practice in your everyday life, then you will have the foundation of what God wants you to have to work in your life. 
you will have the groundwork. You will have the building blocks. You will have the beginning so that God can start doing some amazing things in your life and through your life. And for four weeks, you've heard about this command in God's word. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You've heard about the call to engage in such discipline daily, and you've been confronted not just with some helpful tips. This isn't about, hey, and if you encounter this, maybe you should try this. No, you've been tasked. You've been tasked with a requirement for daily training, daily equipping in God's word and in prayer. And in classic boot camp fashion, you've been asked to get up way earlier than you thought you ever would so that you can get this thing done first in the morning, every day. But for four weeks and all of these disciplines we've been training you in, we've been disciplining you in things that will benefit you. You will notice. You will benefit when you start spending daily time in the Bible, reading it and praying about what you read. You will learn. You will grow. You will experience God's presence. You will become fond of that time. You'll never want to give it up. You'll want it to last longer. But today in week five, we are addressing something different, a discipline that is absolutely commanded by God, absolutely on the top of his priority list. And many of us, even those of us here in this room that have you know, been soaking in everything we've taken for the last few weeks, many of us are still very comfortable saying, I'm not going to miss it. Not going to miss it if I don't do this one. This is a good week to skip. <laughs> Come back later. Evangelism. Sharing Jesus with those who don't know him yet. It is something that we often think is someone else's responsibility. Right? Billy Graham. He's got that taken care of for everybody. <laughs> he, he's 95 and he's still alive because we need him because nobody else wants to do evangelism, apparently. He's an evangelist, not me. I'm not anything like Billy Graham. Or the Bible, you know, for the spiritual argument, the Bible teaches there is a spiritual gift of evangelism, and I don't have it. So, it's not talking about me. Maybe it's the pastor's job. Pastors do that. Need to evangelize, call someone, bring them in. Or, you know, well, yes, we all have some responsibility, but it's really just to answer direct questions that people, you know, throw at you, be able to answer those, but... Certainly never to go out and purposefully do something evangelistic because that's offensive to people. That's asking them to change and be different than what they believe. And on and on it goes, and such that there are so many of us Christians now who have now become that guy, that person. We have become the one who has something really great to share, but also already has a so-called really good reason why we're not going to. So let's just start off today, let's, let's start over today by getting one thing straight. Every Christian, every Christian, all of them, including anyone in here that would say they are one, every Christian has a responsibility to share Jesus Christ with people who do not know him yet. Every Christian has a responsibility to share Jesus Christ with people who don't know him Yet, And all the excuses that we could throw at this concept are just that. They're excuses because this is one of those matters on which Jesus Christ himself is absolutely clear. So let's look at his words because mine are really not worth much unless they're based on them. 
Um, so if you dig really deep into your Bibles, I mean, you go to the verses nobody knows, nobody reads, nobody memorizes, people forgot they were in there. You go into those, you look at a few of those, you're probably going to find some of these great verses about evangelism. Evangelism. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. I don't need to. What if I ask you this question? What are the top three things that God wants you to do? The top three commandments that God ever wanted you to obey, like, hey, I know it's a lot of commandments, and I know it's a lot of things to try to live a whole life for me. Here's three things. What would they be? What would we find? I think that out of God's top three commandments, we'd find evangelism in there twice <laughs> out of three. So let's look. Let's see what he's got to say. First of all, we can just easily answer the question, what are God's top two? Because Jesus answered that question for us. Somebody said, what's the best? What's the biggest commandment? What's the most important thing to do? And he said, I'll give you two. Here's his answer. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Don't stop me there, because the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if you've been around the church a little while, hopefully these aren't new to you. <laughs> Everything we do is supposed to be based on those two commandments. These are it. These are the big two. They should be part of our conversation all the time. Everything we teach on, everything we practice, everything we hope that we should be someday doing should all find its way back here to these two commandments, to love God and to love others. So maybe you think that's cheating. Like, well, those cover everything, so I guess it covers evangelism, right? Just picking out the broadest possible commandments and saying, well, there you go. Jesus said evangelism, important. Because sure he was. He was talking about evangelism, but wasn't he also talking about showing kindness to your grandmother, right? That's loving others as well. It is. It is loving others as well. But let me ask you this. Is there a more loving thing you can do than to guide someone into a relationship with Jesus? Is there? Think about your neighbor. Think about your family member. Think about your friend who does not know Jesus. There are a ton of ways you can love that person. Tons of them. You should be doing many of them, right? You could say nice to, things to them. You could buy them gifts. You could sacrifice for them. You could serve them. You could be a friend to them when they really need one. You could spend time with them. These are all great things to do, and I think they're all part of what God said when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. But... Do any of those things come even close to introducing them to Jesus? To the one who is, by the way, love himself. The Bible says God is love. Is there anything more loving you can do for a person than to introduce them to love himself? Think about it. If there is only one good thing you could choose for someone. You only got to love them once for some reason. Wouldn't you choose that you could introduce them into a relationship with God where they'd get all the love they need for the rest of their life and into eternity from that point versus I'd buy them a car. <laughs> so yes, perhaps 
in the second greatest commandment of all time, God had a lot of things in mind. But I would say probably more than any of them, he meant to command us to share him with people, to share his love, to share his kindness, to share his character, his compassion, and his invitation to relationship with him, with those around us. So I don't think I'm cheating. So if those are the top two, though, the question is, okay, all right, you said three. What is the number three commandment in the Bible? And that was one that's a little tougher because the Bible actually doesn't say this is number three. Uh, but over the years, the church has kind of come to center on a third. Um, they would say that the first two are kind of the great commandment or the great commandments. <clears throat> and the church <coughs> has come to address the third commandment as what they know uh, as the great commission. And that is basically some of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples. He's like, okay, you've, you've seen everything that I've done. You've heard everything I've taught. Here are your final instructions and these final instructions basically serve as the mission statement for the entire church for all time until Jesus returns. In fact, at CRC, we've never even written a mission statement here at this church. You know, oh, isn't it really important? You've got to have your mission statement, your vision statement, and we tell you our vision statement every week. But our mission statement, we said, nope, Jesus already wrote that. We'll just take the one that Jesus already gave us, and we'll do that. So here's what he said, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the mission of the church. That is the mission of this church. That is what we are here for. That is what we believe every church should be here for, to make new disciples, which is introducing people to Jesus. We baptize them as a sign that that has happened, and then we teach them to obey everything else that Jesus thought about. That's a pretty big assignment, but you'll see there are two really important parts of it. We're here to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we will never do that without sharing Jesus Christ with those who don't know him yet. This is spiritual boot camp, right? Well, we can train all we want, right? Let's say you're awesome at this. Like weeks one through four, you got it down. For some reason, now you have the Bible memorized in four weeks. You've memorized the scriptures. You spend seven hours a day in prayer, you know, as if that makes you the most holy person, but you'd probably be holier than I am. Um, if you did all those things, you, you know, you've got Bible reading and prayer down, right? Your training is up. Your relationship with God is good. But if you have all of that in place and you are not accomplishing your mission, something ain't right still. My thought is that if you're in the Bible that much and if you're praying that much, God's going to be telling you about this. <laughs> He's going to be like, great to see you again. When are we getting on the mission? If we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time, right? But God didn't tell us to aim at nothing. He said, I'm going to get you focused. Two out of my top three commandments are going to bring you here. You got to share me with other people. So no problem, right? I mean, just tack that one onto your morning routine. Get up early, read the Bible, think about what it says, pray about it, 
win somebody to Jesus, eat breakfast, go to work for the day. Have a great week, guys. See you next week. <laughs> right? Or maybe it's not that simple, right? It's, it's not that simple. Because if it's okay to be honest in church for a little bit, I'll admit it, evangelism can be scary. We're not so comfortable with it. To most of us, it doesn't come easy. It can seem to fail more than other disciplines, right? Somebody says, you should read your Bible. You go, open your Bible. The words are there. You still remember how to read. You can feel like you have achieved that to some degree. I mean, hopefully you add more to it than that. But evangelism, not so simple. Sharing Christ with other people involves other people, people who don't have that aim in mind, by the way. They don't have in mind what God wants to do in their life yet. It involves you, God, and other people who don't know God all trying to come together around the one purpose of getting something that God actually wants done, done. <laughs> and what are the chances of success there? What are the chances of embarrassment there? Sometimes I think they're higher. And then what are the chances that even if there is some little bit of success, hey, somebody showed interest, <laughs> that I won't screw up something else along the way. Well, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> you asked a follow-up question? Uh, and so you can see why people so often choose the easier road, just having something great to share, but never offering it up to someone else. The personal risks go way down. The comfort level goes way up. But in doing so, we are leaving our friends, we are leaving our neighbors, we are leaving our family members to fend for themselves. It makes sense why evangelism is so uncommon. We're not just lazy about it, though too often we are lazy about it. We also don't think we can do it. You put those two factors together, well, you get a lot of us. <laughs> People who are really excited about what God is doing in their lives, but who somehow still don't share God with anyone else in any intentional way. Well, to us, to those of us that would admit we were just described there, I think God would say two things today, two simple things. To those of us who are lazy, he would say this, you must do this. You must. Remember his top three? Evangelism shows up in two out of three. He's not kidding around. God has made this one clear. We've just pretended it's not. And he will hold us accountable for what we do with his priorities. To those of us who feel unqualified or scared, I believe he would say this. You can do this. You can do this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Peter 1, 3, first part. 1, 3a, which says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life, for living a godly life. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Memorize that. It's an encouragement straight from God's word that you can do anything that God has called you to do. Anything that God has asked you to do, he's given you what you need 
to do it. Not anything you put your mind to, not anything you want, not if you can dream it, you can do it. I hate to say, no. But godliness, well, that's God's promise. You will not lack anything you need to pursue godliness. So for the time remaining today, let's talk about that. Let's focus on that. The fact that you can do this. You can obey God and build evangelism as a discipline into your life. Sure, some of us are going to find it more easy than others, but we can proceed knowing that all of us have what we need from God to be able to do this. So let's look at three ways that every Christian can share Jesus with others. And then I'll add a challenge to each of those that focuses on making those actions into disciplines rather than just sporadic occurrences. Again, we're not trying to say, you know, hey, if something ever comes up, maybe you might remember this little note. We're trying to say, God wants you to put this into practice in your life on a regular basis that becomes a part of how you serve him, know him, love him, follow him. So three ways that every Christian can share Jesus with others. Number one, invite people. Invite people to explore faith in Jesus Christ which usually shows up at church, inviting people to explore Jesus. You can do this. Evangelism is basically just one person who has found something awesome inviting another person to find the same thing. And in a sense, it is the most natural thing in the world. Examples. Let's say there's a new restaurant that comes up in your town. You go try it out. You know, ah, I've eaten at all the other restaurants. We'll try this one. And it's amazing. It's the best food you've ever had. The prices are low. They're reasonable. You are going to now make sure nobody else knows about that restaurant. Make sure, stand outside picketing it, you know, so that uh, when people show up, you drive everyone away because you want it all to yourself. Guess what? The restaurant's going to go out of business if you do that. No, the most natural thing in the world is you tell people about it. You're like, wow, have you tried the new restaurant yet? I know you've been to all the other ones. Have you been to this one? Right? Let's say you're on the other side of that. You're trying to lose weight. Um, You've tried everything, right? So many people go through so many things. Uh, You know, they've tried this diet. They've tried that workout plan. They've tried, you know, doing this uh, 30-day thing, whatever. And you finally find out something that not only works, but sticks, right? A year long, you still, you know, kept the pounds off, the 30 pounds off are still gone, and you have a new lifestyle that's healthier than it's ever been. You feel better than you've ever felt. Now, you've been, you know, meeting a lot of people along the way that tell you, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, and you're kind of, you know, the support group for each other. Are you going to tell those people, I found what it is, but I'm not letting you know? Or are you going to say the most natural thing in the world to be like, I've got to tell people that thing was a waste of money, that was a waste of time, This is where I'm finding health and life. You've been bad at math your whole life. You've been hoping for C's out of your class because some of them you had to take more than once to get past them. But they're requirements. You got to do it. But you find a professor that all of a sudden changes all of that. This person can describe math in a way that sounds like English. And it makes, you can understand it for the first time. And not only that, when you understand it, you find you enjoy it a little bit because the problems make sense and you can, you can actually, you know, do well. You get your first A in a math class ever. To all those other struggling students, are you not going to go and say, stop doing what you've been doing. I found 
a professor that can teach this to you and me. It's the most natural reaction in the world to offer an invitation. Invite people to explore faith in Jesus Christ. And when I, mean, when I say that, I mean just that. Invite people to explore. There are other invitations as well, and I don't suggest you go right to them. This isn't a matter of going right to somebody and inviting them to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. That is not step one. <laughs> this is not going right to somebody and going, you know what, my church is doing 20-minute mornings. I'm at six-hour mornings right now. I think you should join me. This person has not even decided whether they want to follow Jesus Christ yet. Step one is something you and I can all do is to ex invite people to explore faith in Jesus Christ. That is simply the invitation of these three words. Come and see. Come and see. Those are biblical words. John chapter one, we, we talked about it here in, in the service a few months ago shows us that that was the way that Jesus called his very first disciples. Those were his words. They were like, hey, we heard you teach some good stuff. Where are you staying? And he just said, come and see. Come hang out with me. Come learn about me. Come be with me. I think that'll change your life. Later on, we see some of the disciples that took him up on his invitation. Guess what they did? They went and told someone else, hey, come and see. We've been hanging out with Jesus. He's quite an interesting teacher. Maybe there's something there for you. Come and see. We can do the same thing. It's natural, it's normal, and it's needed. You know, at CRC, we've done everything we can to make this place a safe and comfortable place for you to do just that as well, to invite people to come and see who Jesus is. As you know, our vision here at this church is this is a place where, this is a church where everyone is welcome to explore faith and grow at their own pace. Why is that our vision? Well, we believe that church is a place where people encounter God, and when they do that, God does the impossible stuff. I think it's really important for us to understand that your job, my job, in sharing Jesus with people isn't to change their hearts. That's not our job. That's an impossible job is to introduce them to a God who can. That's our job. And we can do that. So the challenge here, I told you the challenge about how to turn this into a discipline. The challenge is invite on purpose without imposing. Invite on purpose without imposing. See, inviting becomes a discipline when you do it on purpose. You see this as part of your normal life, your normal walk with God that you need to let people know that there is something good, something great, something life-changing out there that they're missing out on. And so you pray about the people you're going to invite. You pick good times to talk with people about church. You don't just, you know, put a sticker up on, you know, their windshield or something and say, that'll do it, you know. You, you don't give up when people say no just one time. They're like, oh, I guess they're not open to God ever in their lives. You make smart use, not annoying use, but smart use of your social media accounts to let people know that there is always something good going on in your relationship with God at your church. There is always going to be an open invitation to come and see, to come and see what God is doing in people, what God is saying to people today. So you invite 
on purpose. But it's never forced. It's never over the top. See, God is patient with us. I think we all know that. God is patient with us, and we need to be patient with others. Second way every Christian can share Jesus with others is to share what God has done in your life. Share what God has done, what God is doing in your life. You can do this. Did you know that nobody has ever found God on their own? It has never happened. Nobody's been smart enough. Nobody has been uh, diligent enough in, you know, uh, pursuing the spiritual. Nobody has ever found God on their own. In fact, that was something Jesus taught us as well. He said, you can't come to me unless the Father has already been doing some work in you. Nobody ever comes unless the Father has already been drawing them. That means that everyone who has been found has a God story to tell. God was already involved in their life, and God is involved in their life, and God brought them to Jesus. It's not your own story. It's a story that was started and written by God, so you can be confident it's a good story. You're like, I'm not much of a story writer. You don't have to be. You're part of one. And if we all have a story, then every one of us can share our story. Every one of us can at appropriate times. And I will say that because sometimes I think we have this idea that we are letting God down if we don't tell his story everywhere and at every time, whether or not it's a great time. Like you're checking out at Albertsons, right? The cashier says, thanks and have a nice day. And you say, oh, I will. Because Jesus saved me when I was 16 years old. I was going down the wrong path, and then the preacher spoke to me, and I saw the light. Can you imagine? Is that what God is asking us to do? Did you just help that person move closer to Jesus, or are they now considering a restraining order? It's important to think about. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Be prepared always. Some people shut off right there. I'm ready always. Cashier, you name it. Cop stops me, pulls me over for a ticket. He's getting Jesus. (laughs) Right? Be prepared always. If there's ever a question about your life, if there's ever an opportunity to share your faith in a respectful way that isn't crazy, that isn't forced, that isn't disrespectful, be ready and share. Don't share everything you know about the Bible. Don't try to be the theological answer man or expert. Just share the personal story that you are confident in. It's a good story. God has been writing it. I haven't yet found the Bible verse that says, always be prepared to cram your faith and your beliefs down someone else's throat. I haven't found it yet, because I'm pretty sure it's not in there. The challenge here, though, is again to bring purpose to this, to purposefully invest in relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet and pray for those opportunities to share. It's not just letting it happen to you. Maybe someday there'll be an opportunity to share. It's saying maybe this person, because I've been praying about them, and because I've been investing in relationships with them, maybe that will give me an opportunity to share because I am a real person in their life and not just another nut 
that wants to shout out something that they are not going to have time to process in the time we spend time with them. You know all these people who walk by you every day and need Jesus. I mean, you see them, you're familiar with them, but how many of them are you regularly investing in? How many of them are you praying for regularly? How many of them know you well? Right? Because if somebody knows you well, they're going to know a little bit about your story. They're going to know what makes you tick. They're going to know why you have the values you have and the, the things you choose. They're going to know about that a little bit. Do those people know that about you? Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers? How many of them are glad that you are their neighbor, their friend, their family member? The final way every Christian can share Jesus with others is perhaps the most important one for some of us to hear today. It's maybe the unexpected one, but I think it's just as important. Replace your sinful habits with godliness. Replace your sinful habits with godliness. You can do this. Going back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, one more time. See, there's an underlying assumption there. Peter's given some instruction, and you're like, great, drink it in, give it, give it to me, I can do this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. See, Peter assumes, though, that there is some reason that anybody out there in the world is going to ask you. Why in the world would anybody ask you about your hope? Why would anyone in the world say, hey, something is different about you? Something is not like the others here. You have hope. You have something in you that makes you choose things that I don't understand. Peter's assuming that there is something in you that is going to catch people's attention. And he instructs us to share our stories, but before that ever happens, he expects that we live the kind of life that people will notice, that makes them want to ask questions. I think that many of us, when we think about evangelism, we think about what we say, right? I mean, that is a huge part of things. We just talked about, you know, inviting. We just talked about sharing your story. Those are things that usually are pretty verbal things, but make no mistake about it that actions still speak louder than words. And what you do and what you don't do, what you, or how you do things and how you will not do things matters at least as much as what you say, if not more. And I'll bet you agree with that statement in your head. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, actions are awesome. We need to do good stuff. It's really important. Let me stop you for a moment there and ask you to listen, though, to what I believe the Word of God says on this. I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully to this because here's what I think we will find. God's Word is not unique in saying that we should do good things. You know, so I'll feel like, hey, I do good stuff. That should get people to ask me about my faith. God's word is not the only place that we are encouraged to do good stuff. It is not. In fact, if you do good things, you still won't necessarily stand out in a crowd. There might be somebody gooder than you in that crowd. Wow, no, no grammar laughs there. Thanks for the courtesy. There might be. Your neighbors who don't know Christ 
still do some good things. Evil people. Think of the most rotten, terrible person you can think of. Hopefully they're not sitting in this room next to you. But those people also still do some good things in their life. So I think God's word says two different things about this, though, that, that, are, that are unique. It says two things. First of all, I think God's word says you should only do good things. And secondly, it says, by the way, you don't get to decide what good is either. God does. See, pretty much everyone will say you should do good things. Everyone. That's not going to make anybody ask any questions. But God's word says you should only do God's kind of good things. Those are the only things you should be doing. So I'll give you one scripture. And if you want to talk to me more about this, tons more that I've researched about this because um, I think it's unique. But, uh, you know, I also think people want to go home sometime. So Romans 8, 13 Though it says this, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, or sometimes translated the sinful nature, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, most people live a happily inconsistent life. They are drunk and out of control on Friday night, but they are angels in church on Sunday. They lose control and anger at their kids in one moment, and they speak words of encouragement to those same kids at another. They go into tremendous debt to buy this fancy car that they can't afford, but they also give to charity on a regular basis. They spew out the cruelest words imaginable in their posts on the internet. And they also regularly spend time with their aging grandparents. You see, doing good isn't a remarkable thing. That's how everybody lives. They do some good and some not. The thing that will truly make us different, the thing that will make people want to ask the question, what's going on in your life, is when we replace our sinful habits The Bible says, put them to death. That's pretty dramatic. And replace them with godliness, with a life led by the Spirit, a life filled with true life. It says, when you are led by the Spirit, you will live. The challenge here is to seek accountability in the areas where you need to change. I heard an awesome leadership talk about month and a half ago where the main point was this. It's like a four-hour thing. I'm going to give it to you in like one sentence. The guy said he was interviewing a very successful multimillionaire kind of leader, and he said, what is the secret of success that you have found, not just for yourself, but other people you know are as, as successful as you are? And the guy told him the secret was this. There are some extremely successful people out there that just do this. They say what they are going to do. And then, wait for it, they actually do what they said they were going to do. There you go, millions of dollars right there. I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but that actually is a very rare trait in people. A very rare trait in people. It's not that 
any of us in this room don't want to become more godly, right? Not that any of us, you know, don't have intentions to, to, you know, to do things that are better in our lives. We all do. But the reality is we get distracted, we get discouraged, we lose focus, we lose heart, you name it, and many of us never accomplish the great things we thought we should. Nobody here is going to say, this is garbage. Why would we want to be more godly? No, it's like, of course we do, but we're not. So the challenge here is this. Replace your sinful habits. Replace your inconsistent life with a life led by the Spirit, but don't just hope it's going to happen. If you agree with this today, yay. That doesn't do it. Agreeing with truth doesn't make it a part of your life. State what you are committing to and bring yourself in accountability to do it. And that can look different to different people in different ways, but there's got to be some way that you are regularly assessing whether or not you are on the path to where you said you were going. I'm on a path to godliness. Am I? Am I looking at that on a regular basis? Am I filling something out in a journal that says I've committed to these things every day? Am I doing them every day? Am I meeting with somebody else who also needs some accountability in their life and we're praying about this on a regular basis or we're discussing how we're doing this? Am I looking to a resource like a counselor or a pastor to help guide me in a direction? Or am I just sitting here and agreeing? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be great. Place simple stuff with godliness. I'll try there's a big difference. And the extremely successful people in life are those who not just say, I want to do this, but there are the few that actually bring themselves into accountability with themselves and others to make it happen in their life. Evangelism is not someone else's calling. The world needs Jesus too badly. It's your calling and it's mine. It's a minimum standard for all of God's children. We must do this. But God is with us. He has given us everything we need to live a godly life. So we can embrace the challenge and know that we can do this. Let's pray. Father God, we're no good at this on our own. <laughs> and we thank you that we don't have to do this on our own. Lord, you have spoken clearly to us. We must share you with this world in need. So help us, God. Help us to see the urgency. Help us to know your passion to bring lost people home. Help us to do what we can do, God. We can invite. We can share the story that you are writing in our lives. We can replace our sinful life with a godly life. Help us to do those things, God, as we rely on you for strength, as we rely on you to do the impossible, God, relying on you to change hearts and to save souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.